in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Hey everyone! Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Two White Chicks in China podcast. It's been a while. It has. Thanks for sticking with us. You've probably been wondering why we're. Publishing so irregularly lately,、um, Holly has actually started a new company here in China, which is I'm sure in the future she'll have a lot of stuff to share.、Mm-hmm. What she's learned about business in China on her own. You make me sound so pro. <laughs> you are pro, <laughs> modest Holly. And I'm working on a project too, which is actually I started a new job as well, and in, also having another baby. So I'm just、It's、called the bun in the oven project. That's right, shooting them out left and right here in China. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna try a different hospital this time around. We're gonna try the Hong Kong University Hospital. It's in Shenzhen, but it's a branch of a Hong Kong University Hospital in Hong Kong, obviously. And we'll see how that goes. We'll see if it's any more.、Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Organized than、uh, Beijing University Hospital was, which was an、one. adventure, wasn't it? It, sur- it certainly it's a story. was. It was. We got a podcast out of it, didn't we? <laughs> That's right. If you haven't heard that one and you're interested, feel free to go back through and listen to it. I think the title was something like "Nora Pops Out a Baby in China." I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> you can keyword search on writtenchinese.com Nora and baby, and it'll probably pop up for you.、So. Yeah. Check that out. We'll keep you posted on on our updates with both our projects. And thank you for those of you who have been leaving reviews. Those reviews really help other people find us on Apple Podcasts, and it also kicks us up a little bit. It really helps us too, just to know that there are people out there listening、um, yeah. that <laughs> care about what we're saying and find it useful. That's actually our main motivation for continuing the show. Is The feedback that we've gotten from you all, so thanks so much for that. Yeah, and while we're on thanking supporters, I just want to say <laughs> thank you to everyone who is still supporting us on Patreon. That's Patreon.com/slash/TwoWhiteChicks.、Uh, for those of you who don't know, if you're new to us or new to podcasts in general, Patreon is a platform where people who create free content can create a page, and、uh, we are planning to put out some content, some videos, and stuff. But as Nora just said, we're kind of busy, but it will happen eventually. <laughs> It will, and the show will go on. The show will go on, yeah. It will. <laughs> and I also just want to say thanks to Antonina, who is our newest Patreon supporter. Yay! Yeah. So let me move on to the fact today about China. So、um, I wanted to talk a little bit today about Zhuangzi. So Zhuangzi was a Taoist philosopher who lived in the fourth century BC. This is a quite a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> And, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't want to make myself sound like I'm well read because I'm certainly not. The reason I know this is just because I get this cool little newsletter called Mingbai. So it's um, it's uh, it's they have this website. It's like a one page web. It's not even a website. It's just basically one page that says it, it's getmingbai.com. And basically, what they do is they just like if you subscribe to it, they just randomly send you. It doesn't seem to follow a certain pattern. It's like sometimes it's once a week, sometimes it's like every other week. So it's like us, really. <laughs> But the content, just like us, is also really high quality, and there's like no ads, and、um, it's just basically a very short, easy to read little fact about some. Usually, it's like someone. In China, or like a phrase in Chinese, and they explain、mm. it in really good detail, and they give a little 
image to go with it and it's a cool way to digest Chinese culture in these kind of like bite-sized ways we don't have any kind of affiliation with them but I just wanted to give Mm -hmm. them a shout out because um, I got today's fact from them and I just really enjoy getting their newsletters they're in English so if you're interested in culture in China it's 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 a nice little thing and they don't bombard your inbox or anything it's just like every so often they'll be like oh here's something to know about China Anyway, in this in this newsletter, uh, we're talking about Zhuangzi. So it says, in Zhuangzi's best-known quotation, he argues that one can never truly know what is reality and what isn't. And I love these quotes that we're going to... I'm going to read off some of these quotes here because these were written so long ago, 4th four, four century BC, and they still seem so relevant. Right. Yeah. Um, when I've read... Like, I've read the Tao, you know, just... You know, I was looking for quotes, and to be honest, it's so abstract. It could be applied to any time period, but yeah. it's super abstract. But listen to this. This is much more um, <laughs> obvious. So it's uh, so he says, Once upon a time, I dreamt I was a butterfly fluttering hither and thither. I was happy and unaware that I was myself. Then I woke up. Now I do not know whether there was a man dreaming I was a butterfly or whether I am a now a butterfly dreaming I was a man. <laughs> and there's another one. He goes, see how happy... He's walking with a friend and he goes, see how happy the fish are? And his friend objects saying, how can you know what f- makes fish happy? You're not a fish. And then Zhuangzi goes, how can you know that I don't know what makes fish happy? You're not me. He's <laughs> <laughs> got like little quips and like, yeah. it's really interesting. Like to me, it's still funny and I still find it insightful even mm-hmm. after all these time. It's not that abstract and difficult to understand the point there. So it's cool. It's a little bit about Zhuangzi. So we'll put the link to the Get Ming by newsletter sign up thing um, in the show notes if you're interested. Yeah. And I, I always I always like it. a lot of times it's about like pop stars, mm. celebrities that you don't know necessarily know about unless you're really into Chinese gossip. But mm. I find them really insightful to kind of give you an idea of what's going on in China in Chinese culture. Yes, yeah, so the link to that will be on our show notes page, which, which will be at writtenchinese.com slash episode 138. Okay, so here is my news article for this week. Um, so the title is, Shareable Makeup Booths Are Now a Thing in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this comes from the Shanghaiist. And um, <laughs> it starts, After brief- briefly experimenting with shareable sex dolls, Something we obviously missed out on. Uh, China's sharing economy appears to have gone too far yet again. Uh, In a shopping mall in the Hubei capital of Wuhan, a booth has opened up containing 4,000 yuan, which is about $585 of premium makeup and cosmetic supplies, including different types of lipstick, eyeliner, foundation, powder and perfume. Um, The booth is open to anyone who scans in with an app. Users can reserve use of the booth and pay accordingly for their time spent freshening up. You can spend up to 45 minutes inside the booth and pay a mere 58 yuan, which is about $8.50 for the privilege. Ew. (laughs) Yeah, um, so someone had made a video online uh, and the the woman in the video said uh, she, she expressed, sorry, she expressed her reluctance at stepping into what is essentially a two square meter box full of herpes. <laughs> she says, in my opinion, many people using the same stick, stick of lipstick isn't very hygienic. 
Mm. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, and whoever wrote this article said, uh, this could actually be a worse idea than shareable umbrellas. I mean, what can you even say about this? For a start, there aren't that many Chinese women who really use makeup. Like, I... I don't know. They use a lot of skincare products, but not a lot of like heavy. Well, eyebrows though. Eyebrows are a thing. Like they are very That's true. Yeah, like most Chinese women that I've seen, they do their eyebrows because a lot yeah. of them have very thin eyebrows, and so they kind of fill them out. Um, so that's definitely one thing that they'll do. And maybe eyelashes, too, because they don't tend to have a lot of eyelashes. Yeah, yeah. Young, I guess younger women might do that. But these these women are still few and far between, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the eyebrow thing. Often they do they do tat- tattoos, right? Oh, yeah. They do the tattooing thing. And it's quite expensive considering, I mean, you can get plastic surgery probably cheaper than you can tattoo your eyebrows. <laughs> I guess they want to do it right. Yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Spend two thousand on getting some sort of like nose job, but three and a half on your eyebrows. You're right. <laughs> that's way more important. But it's only temporary. <laughs> yeah, oh. but the, I I wonder if this will take off anywhere else. Can't I, I see the logic behind doing, you know, like in theory, okay, like it is expensive and you don't have such a selection when, you know, especially if you want premium brands, everything's really expensive. And like, I don't know if you're anything like me, Holly, but I tend to buy a really expensive eyeshadow and get sick of it like a couple months later. And then it just like Mm -hmm. collects dust and usually the lid breaks on it. And I never actually use it up. Like, I don't think I ever actually like use up my makeup really. I just kind of get tired of it and it gets old and then I just like throw it out Yeah, (laughs) I probably have like two or three things that I use all the time and the rest is just like sat there. Yeah, Yeah. as you said, collecting dust for sure. So it's, I can see where, oh, it would be nice to have access to like at any time kind of like rent out all these colors and all these options. But Yeah. yeah, hygienically, that is gross. Yeah, the only thing I can see that's not a problem is the perfume. If you could just like... And to me, the better idea is a vending machine. Mm-hmm. If you want to try like a tiny little squirt of perfume, then you could have a. You just vending stand machine. in front of the vending machine; and it'll just blast if, you. If you like, if you like, <laughs> I wasn't thinking that far. I was thinking more like in a little tiny, you know, spray pump. You, you know, I like, you get a little it. Tester, I like the idea. You like your just, idea? Like, spray, yeah, just, like it's like, like a spray a, tan. Yes, <laughs> just blast you with perfume. Can you move on? Well, Although in China, they don't use perfume anyway. You can always smell a Hong Konger coming. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. usually, I mean, it's very popular to give as gifts. But in general, when you smell somebody's perfume here in China, it's always like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Because very few people wear perfume. And actually, deodorant in general, these roll-ons and stuff, it's really actually difficult to buy them. They're not in every shop like mm-hmm. you would imagine. Yeah, I think actually I, I seem to smell more men. Hmm. with aftershave on than women with perfume uh-huh aftershave huh i feel mm. like they don't need to shave a whole lot here no i mean cologne we call we would say aftershave but i mean cologne mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's a, it's strikingly different from say when you're in eastern europe which you know whenever i go to my husband's hometown in bulgaria it's always such a shock because they're the men and women just they so much perfume so much makeup so much this so much that so it's like such a huge difference between china and there (laughs) oh man what will they come up with next 
Yeah, let's just uh, wait and see, shall we? I thought the umbrella thing wasn't that bad of an idea. It's not a bad idea, but how do you stop people just stealing them? Oh, because I think that they, if you don't return them, they have your, you have to scan and they have your information, right? I don't know. I think from what I've seen, like on uh, Shenan, which is one of the main roads through um, Shenzhen, they would just have them in like a, a box. But I think to open it, I think oh, to, to actually, open it. Oh, well, I, I had seen some that I don't think were like that. Because oh, okay. I, I think that we may have one <laughs> You're part of the problem. It was. I didn't take it. I'm blaming Barrett. <laughs> Anyways, shall we get on to the question? Yes. Um, this week, our question comes from Kathy, um, and she's left us a voicemail message. So um, if you want to leave us a question like this, you can go to writtenchinese.com slash voicemail and leave us a message there. So let's, uh, let's listen to Kathy's question. Hello, this is Kathy again from the U.S. I'm really enjoying your podcast. I had a question for you. I am hoping to learn Mandarin at some point. Um, as I mentioned in a previous voicemail, I work with Chinese and Taiwanese colleagues. <clears throat> when I um, hired a translator one time um, in China, uh, he had a British accent, which I thought, you know, if I was to learn English as an American, I would definitely think about um, having a British accent. But I wonder, what's the similar idea around Chinese accents? Which is the preferred accent? Which is the one that sounds lovely to most people's ears? Um, is it uh, Shanghai? Is it Beijing? Is it Guangzhou? Is it uh, Taipei? What would you say is your most favorite uh, type of um, voice to hear, the accent? Uh, just for example, if, if a Chinese person was coming to the U.S., I would be really fearful of them learning a southern accent. While I love uh, southern speak, uh, I think that it might be a disadvantage to somebody uh, in China. Whoops, I think she got a little cut off on the end there. But uh, I think it's because our, for whatever reason, there's like a 90 second cutoff point. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't want to cut her off. But um, the platform that we're using to collect the voicemails kind of chops it at 90 seconds. So beware of that. If you leave us a voicemail, you got to keep it short and sweet. Yeah. Yeah. This is so, unfortunately, it's not the first time it's happened. So apologies. <laughs> Sorry, Kathy. Yeah. So Holly, do you want to get started? Where, where do you want to go with this? Um, I want to start just by saying um, that there is a difference between accents and dialects. Um, so... A Mandarin accent shouldn't be confused with Taiwanese, Shanghai, or Cantonese. Um, and I actually found this really cool website which talks about different accents in China. So let me start. There are certain features that are quite common uh, in China of, like, of accents. So the first one is um, the presence or absence of erhua, and um, also the prominence or lack of the final ng consonant sound. Also, word choices like um, uh, nali or nar, and then 
uh, use of particle models, a, be, la, or, for example, and uh, sentence intonation patterns. Um, so this doesn't mean that the Mandarin speaker is not standard. Um, it just means that they've been influenced by different regions in China. And so there are different, different things that you might pick up in strong accents in China. Um, such as st weird tones that you don't, you've never heard, or choosing. There are so many different like words that people can choose from, um, and so they may use a word that you've never. Even if your Chinese is excellent, they may use a word that you've never heard of before, which is quite regional, um, and also unusual grammar. I'm not sure if if I know about that, but uh, I've definitely come across unusual words. For example, uh, in northern. China, people will often use Erhua. In Dongbei, they often use non-standard tones, apparently. Wait, maybe we can explain what Erhua mm -hmm. is. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Do you want to, yeah, do you go for it? So, as I understand it, Erhua is just to add an R, like, literally just as you hear it, R sound yeah. at the end of a lot of words. So, like Holly mentioned, um, the difference between, for example, in southern China, Oh, and before uh, we get into these little details, mm -hmm. I just want to say if you're thinking about learning Chinese and already feeling like you're overwhelmed, don't let this overwhelm you mm -hmm. because actually the differences aren't really that much. Like you can understand a lot of, you know, if as long as you have the basics down, these teeny little things are very quick and easy to pick up. So don't don't get worried about oh no, if I study Mandarin in Beijing, I'm not going to be able to understand people in the South or vice versa. If it's Mandarin, mm -hmm. which is a common dialect over all of China, you'll be able to understand people from wherever. It's just little things, yeah. very subtle things. Uh, and I think it is worthwhile learning about some of these differences because. There are there were certain differences that I did not know about, and I it took me a lot actually. Unfortunately, because I was either ignorant or, yeah, mainly ignorant, I had not learned that there were certain differences between different parts of China. So I would often have problems with taxi drivers when they were talking to me, and there were words they were say, or like say for example with an address. They would repeat the address back to me, and I was hearing something completely different. Hmm. Um, and it would really panic me, and I would think, "Where are they taking me? This is not like <laughs> I didn't say that." Like, uh, you know, lots of things that I didn't, I, I didn't know about. Um, and it was, it took me a long time. So I really, in hindsight, wish that I had. So, for example, with the in Hunan, the the H and the F, like they often replace H's with F's. That was a big, a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. I had no idea, and um, it was. It's really in like when I look back, it was something really obvious, but I just, I just didn't get it. No, you're right. If you're not aware of it at all, then you can definitely get confused. Like, why are they saying? Why are there two different yeah. things? Um, but once, if you, if you, if you do understand that there are some differences, right. and you're, you're aware, aware of a few of them, a, then yeah. you kind of catch it. Yeah. And then, especially like if you're. Uh, like in the South, for example, so when I, you know, before I came to China and I was like, oh, trying to listen to Pimsleur or like Rosetta mm. Stone or whatever, and it was all using the standard Beijing dialect. Let's go back to this Arhua thing. Yeah. So the Beijing dialect uses, it's very characteristic to use these R, R, mm -hmm. hard R sounds. Yeah. So basically what that is, is the difference between in the South, if you ask some, if you ask someone where something is, you'd say like, 
where it, where basically this thing, Zainali, okay? But in Beijing, you'd say this thing, Zainar. So it's the difference between Nali and mm-hmm. Nar. So it's got this like <laughs> sound yeah. at the end. And other things too, like if you want to say a little bit of something in the South, we would say dian, but in the North, you would say idiar. Mm. So it's like, it sounds quite different when you when you hear it just like that back to back. But it, there's there's so few of these things really that it's very easy to kind of catch the pattern. So don't get too stressed out about this. Mm. Wherever you learn Mandarin in China, you're going to be able to communicate fine, you know, to anyone else in China. So it's as long as it's Mandarin, it's all good. So yeah, as you mentioned in Dongbei also, they have like different tone, maybe not standard Mandarin tones. But I just want to point out for those of you who are really new to Chinese language, that what we're talking about here are accents in Mandarin, and that when you talk about Cantonese or Shanghainese or these other uh, dialects, these are completely different dialects. And actually, some linguists would probably argue that they're separate languages. Separate languages, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's hard to draw the line exactly. But certainly, for example, Cantonese and Mandarin are not mutually intelligible. As somebody who speaks Mandarin, I'll tell you for sure. Like, I can follow a little bit of the Cantonese just because I've been living in southern China for so long. Mm -hmm. And I think if I were to study Cantonese, it wouldn't take as long as for somebody who had not learned Mandarin to to learn Cantonese. But you cannot understand. Like, there are people, Chinese people, who have lived in Guangdong province, which is the whole of Guangdong province except for Shenzhen, mm. basically speaks Cantonese. Shenzhen doesn't because we are basically an artificial experiment. <laughs> this city did not exist um, prior to 1978, and now it's got like 16 million people. So these people are who are living here are not from here. So they're from all over China, so our dialect here standard is Mandarin. Um, But if you go to Guangzhou, then the standard dialect is going to be Cantonese. Mm. Um, And you cannot understand, like, there are people who have lived in Shenzhen, so they've lived in Guangdong province for years and years, and they still don't, they don't speak any Cantonese. They may be able to understand, kind of like I do, understand bits and pieces just because of your exposure to it, but they're totally, totally different. So that's the distinction between the accents that we're talking about here when we talk about the Beijing accent versus the Southern accent and um, the dialect difference which is so different that you can't like an outsider even if they speak fluent mandarin they cannot understand um those dialects like the ones that are quite separate and then there's like a lot of shades of gray (laughs) as with anything in china there's a lot of shades of gray Mm -hmm. um so there's dialects that are like very close to mandarin that you would be able to kind of understand or very close to cantonese that a cantonese speaker would kind of understand so there's like not always a super clear distinction yeah there are and there are lots of people um that say for example they're they're a couple like husband and wife and if one partner goes to the another province like often they don't understand that you know what their husbands say for example husband's family are saying Mm -hmm. um, because they'll speak their own dialect 
which I find fascinating to be honest I don't understand it to be completely we have to think too like the history of migration in China like people used to live for so long in like they, it's actually only recently and even now it's not like the US like you think oh if you want to move to New York you can just freely move to New York in yeah. China you can't do that you can't just be like oh I'm gonna move to Chicago and like move to Beijing like you actually need a special um you can travel there but you to live there you need a special thing that's called a huko and it's uh basically permission from the government that you can live there mm. that you can send your kids to school that you can take care of the social services in that city so you need to um qualify for this kind of huko in order to move about so basically my point is that people just don't have the same kind of movement like in the US we have this huge country but the dialect difference is so small like even the the strongest accents in the u.s people always point to southern states yeah they're still very easy to understand for somebody who is from the other side of the country this is not the case in china where you have generations and generations living like potentially in one village like not even leaving the village like marrying somebody else from the village staying in that village working their whole lives in this village it's just now that we're seeing more movement so it makes sense that the older generation a lot of them don't even speak mandarin right yeah like you you come across even in shenzhen you come across quite a few of the old elder it's more like elderly people not not uh 50s 60s but more like 70s 80s yeah. who don't like either their mandarin is really bad um, like very difficult to understand or it's uh it just, they just don't they just don't speak it okay so going back um a little bit to accents um as we mentioned um different areas of china may have different accents um but i think it's um fair to say that pe- very few people are actually going to speak like a perfect standard mandarin just like i mean as nara just said about in the us like you can travel all over in the states and still understand each other but people aren't going to speak with the same the same accent just as in like the UK we have um something called RP British people are probably going to know that and um that's like a that's the standard standard British English um and it's the same in China people are not speaking like perfect mandarin um which is good actually it's better to for example if you're going to learn chinese to learn something that's not standard because that's more realistic well that's a good point yeah the the standard mandarin is based off the beijing like that region's dialect and that's yeah. what i would say most people think sounds like posh like <laughs> kathy was asking like which one would you you know right. want to speak because to her, the British accent sounds very, you know, posh and intellectual. So PR, saying. which no one speaks. Uh, RP, <laughs> sorry, that no one speaks. <laughs> Pretty much yeah. any accent. Apart I feel from like on Downton Abbey. <laughs> anyway, like so, basically, that's that's the accent from Beijing. That's this Arhua that we were mentioning. Mm. That's usually to other Mandarin speakers sounds quite intellectual and refined and also the like taiwanese people tend to like uh the mandarin accent from taiwan they say like i've heard from my chinese friends that it sounds like really sweet to them when they hmm. hear a taiwanese speaking mandarin yeah so the, those are the two that people tend to hmm. um gravitate towards in terms of sound but i feel like 
if you're a learner, that like those little teeny differences, you can either later on you can just decide, okay, I'm gonna choose this. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna um, adopt these sounds because I hear some foreigners speaking with the R, the R sound, mm-hmm. even in southern China. Um, I guess because it's the more standard way, so you can kind of adopt it. I wouldn't really yes. say like, oh, you have to go to Beijing and no. study in order to get that accent. Yeah, and I, from a personal point of view, I, I don't, I don't really like it. This idea that it's posh, yeah, it's not. <laughs> I, I, it doesn't do anything for me. Like I'm That's always, us, though. I know, I know, no. I'm, but I'm, a, I'm allowed to give my opinion. <laughs> I'm gonna throw my two cents in. Like I, I just don't. I think it's easier mm. to pronounce the Southern Chinese. That's, to be that's honest. also like true. to say Indian yeah. and Idiar with yeah, this the, like uh, hard R. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't fancy talking so much like a pirate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. But yeah, that's 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 what the Chinese people will tell you will sound like pleasant to their ears. In the South, a lot of times they have problems distinguishing between. And this this okay, so this might also be a good point to note that if you're in Beijing, it is easier to understand. Yeah. Like I think what Holly was saying is. When you learn the non-standard Mandarin, when you learn to navigate around it, it makes it so easy to understand the standard one. So, like, actually, there is, in a way, an advantage to learning in an environment where everybody's not speaking perfectly, because you just kind of learn to adapt, and then you're able to communicate more freely with more people. Yeah. Um, in southern China, one of those typical things is the difference between shi and si. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So this probably sounds like nonsense if you've never studied Chinese before, but there are a lot of words, a lot of words that are commonly used. I'm talking about all the time, every day, that sound like either shi or si, or either zhi or zi. Yeah, and when it's both those, and when yeah, that's it. And when those words are spoken in a sentence, and if you're your Mandarin is not perfect. It is really easy to be like, wait a second, what? Like, why? Why did they just say that? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, as you start learning the numbers, and a lot of times you go, <laughs> you go to the shopkeeper and you'll yeah. ask, how much does this cost? And you'll be so proud, you know, you're saying, oh, chan you know, like yeah. you're so proud of yourself. And then the shopkeeper says, shi kuai. and you're like, do they say si or shi? Yeah. Or what? Like, yeah, and that's when you have to <laughs> learn. <laughs> like, can you? I'm sorry. How much did you say? Or thank God that they, they use like the hand, uh, finger, like gestures for numbers mm. most of the time. Uh, so at least you've got that on your side. Yeah. Listen to this. So shi is ten, si is four, shi si is fourteen, si shi is forty. Like <laughs> you can hear how how similar these things sound. Shi si shi si si shi. So it's very easy when you're mm-hmm. first learning to get confused with these shi because especially in Guangdong province, they don't say they don't have a clear distinction. It all just sounds like si, si, si. It's all like sounds between shi and si. So it can be a little bit confusing. Yeah, and if you ask, I remember a long a while back actually, um, I bought some like little cactus off a guy in the street, and um, I asked him like, how much is this? And I had 40 and I was like, what? Like, that's, that's quite expensive. And I, I was like, umming and ahhing. I was like, oh, it's too expensive. And he was like, what? And I said, oh, you said 40. 
And he was like, no, 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 no. Like, it was like, it was 14, you know. And oh, I, and, 14. I, but, and I had totally, like, misunderstood. And he laughed at me. And I obviously went away feeling very embarrassed. But it's so <laughs> easy to do. Like, are you kidding me? As if that could possibly be, like, as if no one else has ever made the mistake before. And the worst of it's just, like, one of the most common verbs in any language is the verb to be. Mm. And in Chinese, that's also shi. <laughs> so if you want to say, like, this is 14 kuai, zhi shi shi si kuai. <laughs> so it's mm, like... It's a tongue twister. Yeah, tongue. like, and they have tongue twisters. Um, mm. Because a lion is also, I think, shi. I forget which tone it, it, is, it, is. it is. And so they have, like, a tongue twister about 40 lions or something like that. And it yeah. all just basically sounds like... It sounds really crazy. Um when you don't know even even if you do know the words it's just like so many similar sounds at the same time all meaning something totally different which is why learning written chinese is so important by the way <laughs> just want to throw that in there <laughs> written chinese is like so essential um you can learn how to converse without it but once if you want to go if you want to go further it's really difficult um to communicate on a deeper level without the aid of written Chinese. Because <laughs> you just confuse yourself with what, oh, th- is this sh the same as that sh? And is this so the same as that sh? And if you don't realize that it's different characters, then it's it's easy to make incorrect associations and then your brain is just like mm. all in knots. I will have to say though, because I feel like now that we've been talking about this, we're making it sound like Chinese is impossible to learn. And I just <laughs> want to make a note that it's definitely not an easy language, but that grammatically it's super simple. So simple. Like when if you've ever learned Spanish or any of the other romance languages, there's like all these complicated conjugations and there's like genders and all this stuff. And in Chinese, there's none of that. None of it. Like basically um, a structure, like a sentence in China, Chinese will be like, I go store. Like, there's no article. There's no, like, con- like uh, tenses. There's no, you know, it's just, like, it's it's very grammatically simple. So it does have his complex pieces, but I just want to throw that in there mm. just to keep it a little less daunting for people out there who are just throwing their hands up and saying, ah, oh, forget it. <laughs> this language isn't for me. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, since you're on that point, I just want to recommend uh, a tool um, from our friends at Mandarin HQ. Basically, it, it is a paid tool, but you can, um, if you go to writtenchinese.com slash mandarinhq, you can take a look at the, you can do like a demo on the page. There are lots of videos um, with certain uh, questions and, and, and responses, but there are different ways to ask the same question and different responses, but they're actually, people are using their own accents to ask and answer the questions. So it's really good. It's not it's not made for like beginner beginners, um, but if you've already been learning Chinese for a little while, it's um, it, it's well worth a look, in my opinion. So again, that's writtenchinese.com slash mandarinhq. And um, there's like a special deal if you're a written Chinese fan. <laughs> <laughs> or a 2 chicks in China fan, of course. Yeah, we Nara and I have, have used it and uh, we think it's really cool. So let's uh, leave it at that for today, and we'll leave you with a Chinese word, which is koin. So that's the word for accent. It literally means mouth sound. <laughs> I love Chinese. Um, so koin, and Holly will put a link to that character in the show notes. You can find that at writtenchinese.com slash 
episode 138, right? That's right, yeah. And um, as we mentioned before, if you want to ask us a question, uh, you can leave us a voicemail at writtenchinese.com slash voicemail. Um, but you can also drop us a question on any of our pages on Written Chinese. We will find it. If you want to follow us um, on social media, you can go to facebook.com slash chicks. And if you want to support us further, um, you can go to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash chicks. Thanks for listening, everybody, yeah, and tune in next time. Bye.